0: Bulletins, get those out for just a second before we get into the message today. Uh, this week, uh, let's see what is today. The 18th. Or today's the 17th. Tomorrow's the 18th. Is the elementary Christmas program starts at 7 p.m. at the school auditorium. There will be no youth this Wednesday night uh, due to Christmas break. So enjoy that time with your families. And then December the 24th, which is next Sunday, what we're doing here at the church, we've done this in years past, whenever Christmas or Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday, is we have a come-and-go Christmas communion service. So bring your family, and you can come in here. We'll have the communion set up up here, and you can have communion together as a family, pray together. Um, We'll have worship music playing and it'll start at 10.30, and it'll be done at 11.30, so it's a come-and-go deal just for an hour, and uh, we'll be serving Christmas cookies, cider, and coffee as well so that we can fellowship after you come in here and have your communion and, and pray together as a family, and we tell families, and families have done this in the past. I was shocked when we did this the first time that we ever did this. We had about 30 or 40 people come and do this, and we told them, so you don't have to get all dressed up because um, we know it's it's Christmas Eve and you're with your families. You can wear your Christmas PJs, okay, your pajamas and come in here. And, and people did that. So uh, that's what's going to be going on next Sunday from 1030 to 1130. Come and go Christmas communion. And then, of course, Monday, December the 25th is uh, Christmas Day. So we want to just say blessings to you and your family as you celebrate our Savior Jesus. And then you can fill out this... Uh, the inside flap, or you can do the uh, on the inside there's a QR code and that gives us record of you being here today if you're a guest with us. And then if you and we have a free gift back here at the back for you if you're a guest with us today. And then on the back of the bulletin, you can take notes. And uh, the other thing that I want to say that's not in your bulletin today is that I said this earlier in the service today. Uh, But they're having Santa Day in Camargo today at 1.30. And Mark and Carrie are heading this up. It's really their ministry to their community. And so if you have kiddos, you definitely want to go be a part of that. Uh, It's today at 1.30. And then to watch our service online, be sure and tell your family and friends to go to hfchurch.com. Also, you can click on the link on Facebook to go to our website to watch it as well. And the new thing is that Mark Ward has helped us get this established is we can download the app by watching um, for our channel on Roku TV and watch on your smart TV, and soon it'll be available, after the first of the year, it's going to be available on Fire TV and Apple TV, and I appreciate Mark doing that. Also want to make a few announcements, because I always have people, and I had somebody text me this about a week ago that attends our church, um, they asked... Um, if our church needed anything, because at the end of the year, there's some people that that want to do giving towards the church as a Christmas gift, and I'm gonna tell you, I was talking to Taya on the way in this morning, and have talked to Mark about this as well. Uh, Travis Bourne let me know they're with their family in Shakota today having Christmas, but he told me that we need a we're in need of a new worship computer, and we're in need of a new computer for our office. And then Taya and the Praise and Worship team have requested four iPads because they're tired of making copies. And I know the people that are cleaning the church are tired of picking up copies of paper. And so we're wanting to get more, you know, (laughs) we're wanting to get more um, tech savvy around here. And we've killed a lot of trees around here. You know, a lot of Christmas trees have went up. Uh, But so if you would like to give towards that... We're needing a worship computer, an office computer, and four iPads is what we're, and I don't really know the tally on all that or what that would cost, but Taya said a, an iPad's what, three to $500, is that about right? Close. So it gives you an idea. Worship computers and an office computer are probably about 1500 each on those. So if you'd like to give towards that, we will definitely receive your gift, and we will go purchase these things. And everybody said amen. All right you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2 today, Luke chapter 2, and we're closing out this series uh, on joy, and it's been a three-part series, been talking about joy each Sunday, and each each message is a standalone message, but I encourage you to go back, we archive our uh, services online, you can go back and watch them if you missed one, um, but today the title is The Joy of Christmas, and I'm just going to talk to you about the the christmas story and what i've prayed is a lot of if you and i'm looked surveying the crowd most of us have been in church we've heard the christmas story and sometimes we just turn a deaf ear to it cause we're like okay i've heard this from the gospel of luke or i've heard this from the gospel of matthew and i've heard it and i've heard it and i've heard it well here's the deal you need to hear it again and hear it by faith yeah. amen and cuz this is the greatest story ever told on this planet it is miraculous, it is, it's unreal, it's, it's God coming in flesh to us to save us. I mean, and so I'm, my prayer's been that God, the Holy Spirit, would be here today, and he's here to restore unto us the joy of our salvation. There's some of you have been walking with God for a long time, and I know, because I've been there, you, you walk with God, and you just this old world just beats you down, we live in a fallen world, but God wants to put a pep back in your step today. So you can walk with the joy of the Lord into 2024. Because there's going to be, this is the year of the open door. And what the Lord spoke to me to give you strength to go through that open door, whatever that open door is. And I think there's going to be many doors for some of you that you're going to be walking through. You're going to need the joy of the Lord. Amen. The joy of the Lord is going to have to be your strength. And so we're going to get in this story in the gospel of Luke here in just a second. I want to read Luke's account. And I want to say this about Luke. When I was studying Luke, I always every, every year I, when I dig into the Christmas story, and even though I've read it several times and I study about it, it seems like the Lord always brings out something new, a new revelation. And so I hope I can bring, uh, not me, the Holy Spirit through me to bring a new revelation to you today through Luke chapter 2 when we get there in just a second. But I, there was something that happened this week um, that I want to share Uh, a tradition in Christmas that you may not know about. Some of you may know this, some of you may not. Uh, But Ava was with me, like I said earlier, and I had to keep her one day while Taya and Jada were doing some things. And I had her in the back seat of my pickup in a a car seat, and I had to go through the bank in Elk City. And I went through the bank, and I told them, I said, do you have any suckers? Because I've got my granddaughter with me. And she says, I have a candy cane. So I gave Ava a candy cane. and She's back there with her candy cane. I was just watching her, you know, eating this candy cane, and it made me think about it. And so I looked up the, this candy cane. This is the time of the year when they come out, right? right. The candy canes. So tradition records, you're going to learn a little candy cane history this morning, a little Christmas history, that in 1670, the choir master at Cologne Cathedral in Germany hit upon an idea to keep the children occupied during the nativity scene or the living manger scene in the church on Christmas Eve. And what he did was he asked a local candy maker to create a sugary stick made from white syrup with a hook on the end of it, white for the purity of Christ, and the hook to remind them of the shepherd's staffs. And thus was born the tradition of peppermint-flavored candy canes that appear every Christmas. And so I thought that was a really neat. And so what... The white stands for Jesus' purity and the red stands for Jesus' blood shed on the cross and the hook for his image as the good shepherd who cares for his sheep out of John chapter 10. So if you enjoy candy canes this Christmas, share these images with your children or your grandchildren. And everybody said amen. Makes me want to get a, I should have had candy canes for everybody today. (laughs) Jan's like, yeah, I'm I'm disappointed now. Okay, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 We're going to read verses 8 through 20 and, uh, and this is the story Of the Christmas story And in the gospel of Luke When I was studying this um, Luke Theologians say And scholars say That he actually got the account Of this story From Mary herself Yeah And so, so who knows this story better than Mary? Mary, did you know? She knows, amen? And so, and the reason why there's a scripture here in just a second that alludes to that, and I'll show that to you here in just a second, but let's look at Luke chapter 2 in verse 8, and it says this, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with With great fear. And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the peoples. For all the people. And verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. They made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And this is where we get in verse 19. This is where um, the scholars and theologians say that Mary was the one that told Luke this, this story. And he put it in his gospel. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now, we're going to go back, and I'm going to... We're just going to go back, so I wanted to read that first. Now, we're going to go back through this again. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I don't know if you've ever seen... um, Dad, my dad was telling me something right before I got up here about when God didn't create darkness, He created light. Okay, and when God shows up, darkness has got to go. Okay, and I don't know if you all have ever seen a bright. I know I can remember in this sanctuary we used to have um, the old soft white lights in here, and then we we had them come and and redo our lights here in the sanctuary. And I walked in here one day and was like, Oh my gosh. Man, this is bright. You know, there's the LED lights up in here, a lot brighter. I'm going to tell you about a light that I saw one time. And and who I was with was with my brother. I don't know if you all have ever seen this, um, but I think it captures about what we're going to see when Jesus comes back, the light that we're going to see. But my brother and I were out, this has been, golly, maybe 10, 15 years ago. We were going, and it happened about this time of the year. It was in November, I know that. Not December, but November because it was deer season. And I went to pick up my brother, and it was early in the morning, about 5 o'clock in the morning, and we get into his vehicle and his pickup, and we're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, it lasted for about one second, as all it lasted, but this white light happened, and it just lit up the whole countryside. And I mean, i went talking the brightest, whitest light I have ever seen in my life for about one second. And immediately, I thought, rapture, we're gone, you know, <laughs> and... uh and, and that was immediately the thought that I had, and then it was, it was dark, and Matt looked at me and was like, what in the world was that? And I was like, brother, I don't, I don't know. I was looking out the pickup when it was like Jesus up there, you know, standing up there. And, I, and we later found out that what had happened was a meteor had come into the atmosphere where we were at and just and exploded, and just, but it just lit up, and it was the brightest, whitest light I've ever seen in my life. And I'll never forget that. In fact, there was a there was a friend of ours at that time that was, <laughs> he was getting his stand a little bit earlier than we were, and he said I had just got in my deer stand. He goes, and I about fell out when that happened. He's like, I didn't know what he goes, I th-, and I told Matt we were joking about it later. It was like, it was like God w- looked over heaven and went like that and snapped a picture with a flash camera because <laughs> it was just it was something else, and um, so. I just know in my heart, even though I just witnessed that for one second in my lifetime, that's what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. The brightest, whitest light we're ever going to see. And we're going to hear that trumpet sound. And everybody said amen. I'm ready for that. Verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And a lot of people think the city of David was Jerusalem, but it's actually Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is about five to six miles south of Jerusalem, I believe. If I, if I remember right. And, and I, there's a reason I'm telling you that here in just a second. I'll tell you. And so that's where the city of David was at. And it's a, it was a little bitty town. Just a little bitty town. About like Leedy. Little bitty town. Who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And lying in a manger. I've read that lots of times. I've seen nativity scenes. I've seen the little baby in swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger. I didn't understand what that meant, um, but this was a this was a prophetic word to the shepherds about where they were to go. The shepherds understood swaddling cloths. And let me explain this. In that in that region, shepherds were like outcasts. Okay, and the shepherds this during this time period. This was during uh, lambing season, where the lambs were being born, and so in the city of Bethlehem, in Bethlehem, there was a place in the northern part of Bethlehem called Magdal-elt-Eder is the name of it. And you can look this up. There's even a scripture. I'm going to give it to you. I didn't put it on the Dils Micah 4.8 that talks about this. But this is where um, the shepherds knew where this place was at there in Bethlehem because this was a place where they, where they had the lambs or the ewes would, were giving birth to lambs. And the shepherds would inspect the lambs and they would set aside the ones that were without spot or blemish for the sacrifices at the temple. And guess that this, this is where swaddling cloths come in. But they would set them aside and wrap them in swaddling cloths. So this was already a prophetic sign that this is the Lamb of God who's come to take away our sins. And the, the, the shepherds knew this. In verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those in whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Not, not only has the, the angels told them where to go, it was Bethlehem, but now they know we're supposed to go to the north part of Bethlehem where these lambs are being taken care of. So they knew where to go. And so the Lord has made known to us. And they went with the haste I want you to notice this. They ran with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, and I love this about Mary. Mary knew. Mary, did you know? But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so... This place was, I just told you where it was, was McDowell Eder uh, in verse 12. It's, a tower. it's also called the Tower of the Flock in Micah 4.8. It was in the northern part of Bethlehem. And from the shepherds, you see the, the plan of salvation from the shepherds' journey. You see that they get a revelation of who Jesus is. They believe in Jesus. They come to Jesus. And then they go out and share Jesus with others. The good news. And it, I'm going to... This little sidebar here when I was studying this. But the shepherds, it says they made haste when they found this out and they went to where Jesus was at, went to where the baby was at. If you go and read Matthew chapter 2 in this Christmas story, in verses 4 through 6, it talks about Herod, King Herod, wanting to know where Jesus was at because he heard that wise men have come and I want to know where he's at. And so he was asking the chief priests and the scribes where he was at and they said, well, there's a prophecy in Micah 5, 2 that tells us that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. But here's the deal. And they were only five to six miles away because this happened in Jerusalem. Only five to six miles away. They didn't make the journey. But the shepherds did. So you can know about Jesus, but you've got to receive him. You've got to come to him. Amen? And so that there's a lot of people that... And I'm saying that today because there's a lot of people that know about Jesus, but they've never came to him. They know about, they've heard this story, they know about him, we know all the prophecies, but they've never personally came to him like the shepherds did and worshiped him and received him as their Lord and Savior. I'm going to give you three, just the three things that we're going to cover today about the joy of Christmas is because there's a lot of people that don't know this what I'm about to tell you and I want every one of you in here to know this and to be able to share this just like the shepherds did you need to know why did Jesus come when he did you need to know why did Jesus come and then you need to know why must Jesus come again every one of us need to know these things as Christians and so that we can tell others this as well so the first thing is why did Jesus come when he did and in Galatians four, verses four through seven, I've often wondered this because I was like, God, why didn't you send Jesus now when we have technology, when we have we have TikTok for the love of God? You know? <laughs> yeah, not for the love of God, we have TikTok. But I mean we have all these all this stuff, but why did you send him then, two thousand years ago? Why didn't you send him right you know, and then I've often asked God, God, why didn't you just send him right after the fall? And then was like, God was like, Well, Martin, then you wouldn't have been born. And I was like, well, okay, thank you. <laughs> you know, thank you, I'm, I'm, I'm here now. But, you, you know, having all these thoughts with God and these conversations, and there's a scripture in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. It says, but when the set time had fully come, and by the way, there's going to be a set time when he comes back again, and it's already been set, and we're, we're getting closer to it every day. It says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Daddy. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Amen. amen. That, that scripture, we just say amen and go home right there. I mean, that's the gospel right there. Now, I'm going to tell you why uh, Jesus came at the time, why God sent his son at the time that he did. The Roman Empire was the answer. He's coming again to take out the Roman Empire as well. This time he's going to really take it out. He came during the time when the Roman Empire was at its peak. And the Mediterranean, and this is why, the Mediterranean world was the cradle of civilization was unified. Alexander the Great, a Greek, had been the first to bridge so many nations, but the Romans built the famous Roman roads, and we get the Roman road of salvation in the book of Romans from this. The Roman roads, and all, you know, that, the old saying, all roads lead to Rome, they did in this day. And so ships had come of age using the Mediterranean Sea as a highway among the nations. So that's one of the reasons. The second reason is that it's called the Pax Ramona. Uh, is what it's called. And this was during the time, this, this, the Pax Ramona, what that mean, means is is this was during a time when Rome was at peace. Okay? So this is the Roman peace. And Jesus was born in the same generation in which it began. The Prince of Peace, that's when he came. The, and this is, and the, the significance of this is because the Jews were allowed to preserve their own faith and customs as long as they paid their taxes to Rome during this time. The third thing, that reason why God sent his son during this time, was language was a key factor. I've always been fascinated by language. The language was a key factor. In fact, the, the you know, a lot of us think, you know, I often thought, Lord, when we get to heaven, is everybody going to be speaking English? Uh, no, there's all kinds of dialects on the planet. Language has always fascinated me. But during this time, the key language, or the number one language, was Greek. And it allowed Paul... And others, the Apostle Paul and others, to travel to many countries and tell people the good news of the gospel without cumbersome translation. I mean, they didn't have to have translators. They was able to go everywhere and be missionary and share the gospel. So that's pretty neat, isn't it? Yes. So now you know why, G- why God sent his son during that time. Micah 5.2 tells us what we just read in Luke chapter 2 about Bethlehem. This is the prophecy. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah are only a small village among all the people of Judah yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf and that's a prophecy of Jesus being born in Bethlehem so there's that, that prophecy that the scribes and Pharisees knew but they didn't travel the five or six miles to go see it so don't, don't, don't just know about Jesus if you gotta travel to go see Jesus I'm gonna go see Jesus Amen. I believe I believe that we're coming in. I believe this next year, guys. I really, and it's nothing special about me. Or it's about us as a collective group of people. There's going to be people traveling here because they experienced Jesus, His ministry. Because the Holy Spirit is allowed to move here, the Holy Spirit is allowed to speak here. It's it, it's it, it, we're we're running off the Word of God and not man's religion or anything like that. Is and there's going to be people that come here from all over. It's already happening. It's already happening. God's sending people here from California and different places so that they can hear the word of God. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. And we got to be able to go. We we need. I'll never forget. There was one time, and you lot of say, Well, you know, I'll just stay at home and and worship God. And That's okay. And I and I'm saying that, and I've got people online watching this morning. And that's okay, but you need to be around the people of God. Yes. And you need to be where the presence of God is at. There was one time, uh, there was a revival that broke out in Pensacola, Florida. And Jade and I loaded up and drove 16 hours just to be in the presence of God. And we were in the presence of God when we got there. And there was people from all over the world there at a little church in Pensacola, Florida. Because God was moving. You've got to be willing to go wherever God's at. And a lot, a lot of reason why people are missing out on God today is because they're letting tradition hold them back. Well, I just can't leave. You know, and I'm not talking bad about any church or anything. Don't get me wrong, okay? But, we, I, but Catholic or Baptist or Methodist, and we worship those things. And I don't want anybody to ever worship Harvest Fellowship Church. We worship Jesus. We don't worship denomination. Well, we're non-denominational. We worship non-denominational churches. No, we don't. We worship Jesus. Or my grand- great-grandmother was, you know, was i uh, um, uh, I'm going to just throw out Catholic. So we worship the Catholic. No, we don't worship the Catholic church, okay? We worship. Je- we don't worship Mary. We worship Jesus. Yes. Amen. I love how Jesse Plan say, says, he, said, I told my Catholic brothers and sisters, do you want to learn how Mary prayed? Well, she prayed to Jesus. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray like Mary prayed, you know. Um, so you got to, we're here to worship the Lord. Amen. Not a denomination or anything like that. And, that, and I'm telling you guys, tradition, that, that kind of stuff like that is holding people back from seeing the presence of God yes. in their lives. All right, here's number two. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? And in Luke 1, verse 35, this is what the angel told Mary. Said so the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then we're looking at uh, Jesus' parents, his earthly parents. In Matthew 1, 21, this is what the angel told Joseph. By the way, this is interesting, another little fun fact for you from the Bible is angels had not been on the scene for 500 years before the birth of Jesus. You have to go back to the book of Zechariah to see an angel, you know, the ministry of an angel. And then when the birth of Jesus happens, angels are everywhere. But it was 500 years. The voice of God had been silent for 400 years, from Malachi to the book of Matthew. So that's interesting. Now God's broke on the scene. I love what I read this week. I, I read it and I shared it on social media about what broke the silence of God um, not speaking for 400 years was the cry of a baby in a manger. That's powerful. Matthew one twenty one says, and this is the, the angel to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So Mary was told that her child would be the son of God and Joseph was told that this child would save his people from their sins. So what Mary carried was his identity, and Joseph carried his mission. And now, as a son and daughter of the Most High God, you carry both. And everybody said, amen. Now, I'm just going to go real, I'm going to take you a jet tour, and I'll send these notes to anybody if you want them, uh, the Scriptures, because I went through the Gospels, and I looked up, uh, why did Jesus come? Did he know why he came? Yes, he did. He, he knew it from the age of 13. Because he told his parents, I need to be about my father's business. But he had purpose. He, he had destiny. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. And everybody said, amen. I mean, thank God he knew what he was supposed to be doing. There was one show that I saw about, the, about Jesus, and it was really nice, and, and it was okay. But they, they, they screwed up the plot because they made it look like that Jesus didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. And he was, he was like I'm, like he was finding it out like we do. Right? But he knew from the age of 13 what he was supposed to be doing. And, and he knew all through the Gospels when you look and, and you listen to what he was saying, he's, he tells us why he came. And I'm going to read some of those to you this morning. I'm going to go through them quickly. Matthew 5, verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. You, if you ever want to do a study, you need to go down the study of, of seeing how many prophecies Jesus fulfilled in his first coming. It's a, that'll make you a believer right there if you're, if you're a non-believer. Nobody can make all that add up. Matthew 9, but God himself. Matthew 9, verse 13 says, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came for us, and everybody said amen to that. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, he came to, be, he came to serve, not to be served. Luke 12, verse 51, Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. We don't like to hear that one. And I'm going to tell you, the lines in the sand... The lines are being drawn right now of whose side you're really on. The dividing lines are being drawn. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. You're either a wheat or you're a tear, And those lines are being drawn. And it's going to get, it's going to get, that division is going to get more and more each and every day as we go, even into the new year. You're going to see more and more of this happening. Uh, John 5, verse 43 I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you'll accept him. John 6, verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. John seven twenty-nine. But I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. So you see, are you hearing the mission of Jesus? He knew what he was doing. He knew why he was here. John 9, verse 39 says, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Thank God that I was once blind, but now I see. Amen. John ten ten 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more to the full. John 12, verse 46, I have come into this world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And I'm so thankful that God called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. John 17, verse 8 says, For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. There's the twofold thing about Jesus. Jesus came on a rescue mission, and Jesus came so that we could live in victory in the here and now, to have the abundant life now, not just hold off for heaven, that's, he wants us to, you to have victory today. He wants you to have the joy of your salvation working in you today. And I love this scripture, and I shared this at the beginning of service today. But Hebrews, this is why he came. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I said this morning I've been meditating on this scripture all week this week, and I was like, "Who for the joy that kept just jumping out from at me? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross?" I was like, "God, when you saw when you had to carry your own cross and and you hung on that cross, are you saying that you saw that as joy?" And he said, "Yes, Mark, I did." And I said, "How could you look at a Roman crucifixion as joy?" And and he said, "And this is." The battle was won in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's when it was won. During that prayer time that he had with the Father. When everybody else was falling asleep, his disciples were falling asleep, he has this prayer time. He, he's sweating great drops of blood. I'm telling you, that's praying through. He, he, and he's praying through. And then it says he goes into that time period where he keeps his mouth shut and he goes to the cross. And I was like, what, what happened on that night of prayer, Father? What happened? What happened in Jesus? And and I was just meditating on that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Mark, he saw you. And he saw everybody that's sitting in your church. He saw He saw faces flashing before him. This is why, son, you're doing this. And I know you don't want to do it. And I know you feel human all of humanity. And you're feeling all the sin of the world coming upon you. But this is why you're doing It's because you're bridging the gap between me and humanity. Jesus is that bridge. And there's no other way into heaven but through him. He is the answer. And you need to receive him today if you haven't done that. And he said, Mark, that was the joy. I saw people that I was going to see in heaven one day when I was going to get to hug their necks and 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 kissed their cheeks and looked straight into their eyes and I said, I did it for you. Man, I cannot I cannot wait to hug Jesus' neck, guys. I cannot wait. That was the joy. He said, Mark that I was able to endure all that because I saw the other side. Yeah. Some of you are going through some stuff today and I'm telling you, you, you need to see, you need to live we all need to live like this because sometimes we get so stuck in the here and now that we don't live with eternity in mind. Amen. This, it, and I've told you this, you know, i know my story. It brings it up every year around this time I think of my son. But I'm able to endure this life because he, he's in my future because of what Jesus did at the cross. And that just keeps the pep in my step. Do I, do I have a pep in my step every day? No. No, I'm human just like you guys. But, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I've got to keep eternity set before me. Some of us get so wrapped up in the here and now, guys. This is, this is going to be over before we know it. Joy, and I'm going to give you this off of Hebrews 12 too, so that you understand what joy is. Joy is a point of view. It's a way of looking at things. It's a perspective. It's not like you're walking around laughing all the time. If you are, then we may need to get you some help. Okay, (laughs) all right. I mean, laughter is a part of joy, but that's but joy when you have the joy of the Lord. It's just that you have a point of view about life. You have eternity on your mind. It's not just the here and now. It's a way of looking at things. It's a it's a perspective that you have on the inside. It's not and here's the other thing: joy is not the absence of sadness, uh, or it's and it's not this. It's not the presence of the spectacular either. It's a state of mind that you walk in. Joy is a focus before it's ever a feeling. And everybody said amen. So here's number three. Why must Jesus come again? The first coming of Jesus was a mission of humility and sacrifice for us. The second coming of Jesus will be a mission of triumph and transformation. I cannot wait for this day. Isaiah 9 verses 6 through 7 says, Uh, the prophet Isaiah prophesied this Said, for unto us a child is born a a child is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace and of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And here's what Jesus is going to do when he comes back, he's coming back. Jesus will come back to claim his people, which is us, His bride, so that He can take them home to be with him forever. Yes. Cannot wait for this. And I read this scripture. I did a you talk about experiencing um, the whole gamut of life this past week. Um, had Christmases with family, saw babies, got to kiss some babies. Uh, little nieces in my family and everything and then I was able to I did a, a funeral on Friday for a lady that I knew who was 90 years old that served Jesus all the days of her life and she had ministered to Jade and I because we had attended a church where she was at and this this lady had lost four sons she had five boys and she outlived four of them and uh, and she And and her fifth son, when I was standing at the head of the casket, her fifth son came by and uh, he said, he said, mama, you're where you want to be because you've always wanted to be there with the rest of them. And he goes, and I'll see you soon. Uh, And it was, and I'm telling you what, it was a wonderful funeral, a memorial service to do because everybody there knew where she was at and it was a celebration of life. And she was in the presence of God today with her boys and her, and her husband But I read these scriptures at the funeral. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And, sorry, I didn't get that up there for you. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage and comfort one another with these words. Love that. Here's number two. He must come again To judge the world. He's coming back as a judge. He will separate the sheep from the goats and the wolves, and he'll separate the wheat from the tares. That's what's going to happen. And this is in 2 Peter 3, verses 6 through 7. It says, By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed, talking about the flood. By the same word, that same word, the flood's going to come. The present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And so he's going to return to establish a new heaven and a new earth. This is Revelation 21, verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Guys, I cannot wait for the new heaven and the new earth. Yes. It's coming. And guys, we're, we're living, I believe, that we're in the last of the last days we're living very close to it. This is not a time to be playing games. This is not a time to like, well, I'll stay right here. You know, I see the dividing line right there, but I'll stay right here. Get, get across the line, Amen. okay? Make that decision today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't mess around with this. This is the, be- this is the, the number one decision that you'll ever make in life is this one right here. And this is the reason why God is not slack and he's coming. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants everybody to hear this, what I just shared with you today. Today is the day of salvation. I want everyone to bow your heads in here this morning. I just want to make sure that everyone here in the sound of my voice those that are watching online, you may have been just like the chief priests, and I believe that there's there's thousands of people, guys, that are sitting like this in churches today. They have they've went to church, they've heard the gospel. They're just like the the scribes and the Pharisees that we read in in Matthew chapter two that we heard about. In Matthew chapter two. They they even knew that the prophecy that he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, but they never went to worship him and receive him. As their Lord and Savior. And so I want to be. Today is the day of salvation. And I want to be the one that leads you in this prayer. Because the Bible says. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. They knew about it. From scripture. But they never called upon him. They never went to him and called upon him. To be their Lord and Savior. But the shepherds did. And they were saved and the bible says they were the outcasts of society. And Jesus didn't come for the righteous, he came for sinners. He doesn't you don't have to get all cleaned up before you come to Jesus. He'll take care of that afterwards. And sometimes it takes a lifetime for that. And that's okay. That's why the Holy Spirit is our helper, he's our comforter, he's our teacher, he's our guide. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is leading people here today to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, so, and there's some, I believe, that's been sitting in church for a long time, and they, they're they like, I, just, I really don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if I've ever really called upon God or not. God wants you to know that. He wants you to know that you're a son and daughter of His. He don't want you guessing about it. He don't want you doubting it. So I want to lead you in this prayer that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want you to repeat this prayer to me, and even if you are saved, I want you to repeat this prayer With them, say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God and you died on the cross for me and rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said amen. amen. And if that's the first time you've prayed that prayer, your very next step of obedience is following the Lord in water baptism. And we can do that next Sunday or whenever you want to do it. I heard a wonderful story. I was talking about that the memorial service I did on Friday. The uh, the guy that had was the funeral home there, the funeral home director, him and I were talking before the service and we're after actually after the service, cause I did this same salvation call there at that service because I knew this this ninety-year-old lady would want me to do that for her family and friends that were there because she lived that way. And um and afterwards I was talking to this the funeral home director and he said, Mark, just this, this week it was a first time this ever happened to me, but he said we were at a service and the pastor did the same thing that you did. And at the graveside, he had a young man come up to him after we went to the graveside and said, I, I want to get baptized. And, and and that pastor said, we're going to go back to the church and do it today. And they, they were going back to the church for the family to have a meal and everything. They went back to the church, filled up the baptistry. Said they had 70 or 80 in attendance from the funeral that they were going to feed for the family meal. And they had a baptism on that, all that same day. And I thought, man, that's that's pretty awesome. So we can do that next Sunday. If you'd like to do that during that come and go communion service, or we can do it the Sunday after that. And um, But that's your next step of obedience. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, Jade, I want you to come up here. And I want everybody to stand up. If you're there with your family, I want you to join hands with them. And Jade and I are going to speak a blessing over you today. I want all of you all to have a Merry Christmas. And uh, but we want to bless you today. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May be blessed in your health. May be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward as you submit yourselves to the Christ, to the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said amen. Hug somebody's neck and say Merry Christmas.